1: Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner. Our traders on the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, David Seberg, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, a big night for earnings. Disney volatile after hours. I'm laughing over there. <laughs> Snap soaring will bring you all the headlines from the C-suite as those conference calls are underway. Plus, the S&P 500 just inches away from its all-time high. That hit back in January.
2: What what's wrong?
1: So is the record rally back on? (laughs) And what do you buy now? But first, we start with the tweet heard around the world, or at least around Wall Street, CEO Elon Musk creating chaos with a single tweet. Quote, I'm considering taking Tesla private, $420 funding secured which led to the stock soaring and then being halted and then soaring once again. Let's go to Leslie Picker in the newsroom for the details on a wild day for Tesla. Leslie.
0: Hi, Scott. Wild day indeed. As the stock surged, the questions swirled. Who was providing the financing? What buyout shops would assist Musk in any kind of take private? How finalized is some sort of deal? And is $420 per share a real buyout price? Meanwhile, Musk continued tweeting, but not answering most of the major looming questions. Eventually, the stock was halted for pending news. And about a half hour before the market closed, Tesla published a blog post from Musk titled, Taking Tesla Private. Notably, Musk said a final decision has not yet been made, even though he said he was considering taking Tesla private at 420 per share. He went on to say Tesla would operate better as a private company because they would not be subjected to the volatility in the stock price, nor would they be subjected to quarterly earnings cycle. Musk says, as the most shorted stock in the history of the stock market, being public means that there are large numbers of people who have the incentive to attack the company. As Tesla shares resumed trading around 345 today, they skyrocketed higher as investors digested that memo. Tesla ended the day at 379.57 per share, 11% higher. Today's gains followed a similar move after earnings last week. This has created pain for short sellers. Today's on-paper loss amounted to about $1.3 billion. Year-to-date, they're looking at more than $3 billion in mark-to-market losses. And, Scott, if the stock does indeed reach that 420 level, short sellers would be looking at $4.45 billion in paper losses year-to-date. Perhaps then, and only then, will they cover. Back over
1: to you. Wow, that's a big sidebar of the story. Leslie, thank you so much. Leslie Picker back at headquarters. Uh, All right, Guy, there's obviously two angles here. One, the likelihood of whether you believe that this could happen. Two, the regulatory issues just behind the mechanism in which Musk tweeted
3: this out to the the world. Um, The likelihood first. Does this make sense? The likelihood would be the biggest LBO of all time, I would imagine. By Karen, far. Karen can answer that. And the so with that said, the likelihood is probably <clears throat> less than 25%. But does that mean the stock can't get the 420 on its own? I would submit it can. And listen, our job is to try to figure out if stocks are going higher or lower. Sometimes we do it really well. Sometimes I do it pretty poorly. In terms of Tesla, I think we've done a decent job. And we said a couple weeks ago, very good chance it test 280, got down to 289-ish. We said if it holds there through 325, it's off to the races. It's pretty much exactly what's happened. But if you're short this stock now, given all these headline risks, how do you stay in this on the short side? I continue to say the stock is going to go higher. We can talk about valuation. We're going to talk about if this LBO happens. I don't think anything that matters right now. I think what matters is buyers control and the people that own this stock for the long haul are not getting out, even if it gets to 420, by the way.
4: He he's been gunning for the shorts in this. He's public about it. He goes out over the top on Twitter wherever he can. He's done it in the he last talks about gunning less for the than shorts. a week, right? How, it was
1: David Einhorn a week or every, so ago with "I'm going to
4: send him," yeah, you know, a pair of short pair of shorts. Short, shorts going after Goldman Sachs for making a call that they made on the like, stock. Look, at the end of the day, how is this at all? At all in line with with Reg, Reg FD. I mean, you know, fair disclo- full disclosure on on names. I mean, from my perspective, as a CEO of a company, to come out and put price targets on stocks, talking about specific price targets, on where an LBO may or may not happen or where they've had discussion. It was a forced action to get shorts to cover and to have this kind of action in the stock. I think that he's incentivized now to do it. He just rolled out his incentive plan three months ago. He put really high expectations on it purposely, purposely to get the street in that sort of mode where there's the potential they could hit 100 billion market cap first tranche gets released, then 650 billion. I just think it's insane. I, I think that the behavior and the actions by Elon Musk in this, it's it's actually probably borderline, if not illegal, and it's disgusting to act like that as a, as a CEO. Karen?
5: I, I I think, you know, the Twitter release is unusual, but not unprecedented. And so... Oh, by yeah. any... No, you're, right. you're allowed...
1: You're allowed. You're allowed by SEC him. rules any, to, right. but to... But to you have what to What he hasn't done yet, though. What he hasn't right. done yet... through social a, media.
5: He's a 5% holder. He has a 13D obligation. He needs to amend okay. his 13D. And I think he needs to amend it today or tomorrow and more than 180 characters of what he's thinking about I think we'll see that shortly maybe he'll just attach that letter that we've just seen and that'll be enough. I don't think it should be enough I mean if, when he says financing secured, it would seem to me he would really have a duty to talk in great it's, in it's, great it, detail it's so hard to know what tr- that is truly Here's, what that
1: means to your point what funding secured Uh, are the words he used. In an earlier tweet, he said investor support uh, is confirmed, or or a later tweet, but you get the point. Well, he alone,
5: I mean, he alone owns 20%, and maybe he talked to Barron, whatever, and feels like there is support. And there very very well may be support. That, with with funding secured, he needs to go into a lot more detail than that. One other curious thing to me, I don't know if it makes a difference, he has a convert that comes due March of next year. And it is now... In the money, meaning it will convert right. to stock, not to debt anymore. I'm not really sure if that was a part of the manipulation. Nine hundred twenty million dollars, two point two yeah.
4: billion in cash. They're burning seven hundred a quarter. So, at the rate you're talking about, 100 percent agree with you on that, Karen. Like when this convert comes due, if it's below three hundred and fifty-eight dollars a share, he's got to he's got to close cash. Look, here's here's my
6: view on this stock. First of all, this is a new level of engagement on Twitter, even for Elon Musk. So um, this isn't just, you know, bluster. This is, you know, giving a fair amount of detail, even though no one has any detail. There was not any rumor in the market that these guys were about to do an LBO. In fact, a lot of people were wondering about their next cap raise and what it was going to look like. By the way, also a tremendous sideshow in front of the fact that the company's not hitting any of their delivery targets. Apparently nobody cares. Now, the Saudi Arabia element of this, I'm not terribly impressed when which, I hear about which a Saq- just to
1: re- remind people of the... The news that really got Tesla right. off that was to the, the top of the, the, the paper today, or if you want so to speak, the headline okay. uh, is the investment by the Saudi um, sovereign, sovereign wealth fund into Tesla, some $2 billion or, or thereabouts, according to the Financial Times, which broke the news. That was the first right. step in the chain of events that led to this conversation here with the further and tweets are they related, about maybe God, going Because I mean, ultimately,
6: yeah. that, that's the question. Are, are they the backstop That would be here one here hell
1: of a they, coincidence. Well, Don't you think if both of those happened within uh, 15 to it, 20 it, minutes it of each other? It probably
6: would be. They certainly could write one. Hell of a check. Um, So, I mean, but when I think about sovereign wealth funds making investment in companies, I don't think about them being early. I don't think about them terribly, you know, as very strong investors, in fact. You know, and when I think about the Saudi Arabian sovereign wealth fund, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to be diversifying in other sources of energy. This is a total strategic no brainer for them at any price, basically. So, that doesn't necessarily get me fired up as a portfolio investor. Here's what I want to say about Tesla stock, and even if it goes at 420. This is a stock that over the last four years for a a, a technology company, a software company, whatever the bulls want to call it, has annualized at 8% over the last four years, drastically underperforming the triple Qs or the NASDAQ. So, you know, great stuff. And if you've been along for the long ride, you annualized at 8%. If you haven't timed every one of these moves, you've either gotten your face ripped off or you've actually missed a lot of this rally. So that's what I'll tell you from a volatility risk reward perspective, valuation perspective, even if it goes out
1: at 420. Have it. You know, go have it. I don't, I don't get it. What happens if it doesn't happen? What happens if the go private doesn't happen? Well, two days yeah, ago. Well, what are you you're left least, with?
5: You're left with what you were two days ago. Right. Right? I mean, maybe. But there are a lot of people of, who
1: bought the stock uh, in the afternoon when all yeah, of this was happening right, before the halt. From
5: 370, 360 to 380 or wherever it is <laughs> right. right now. I mean, you saw the Earlier surge today in, it was in activity in that was before the Saudi right. the Saudi thing, which probably will still be in place whether or not this happens. Otherwise, they're and probably a, insider trading. Right. Well, I, I, on
4: the, just to be clear on the Reg FD disclosures and the way that works on Twitter, you are allowed to go out on that platform and give disclosures about cash flow, targets, whatever you want, as long as you provide investors with the time and Right, venue. sort of the heads up The heads that up something's that coming. And that's he the nuanced that. sort
1: of gray area it's a very gray of how area. All, of, all of this um, works. Let me also just just bring you the news um, from my conversation with Jim Chanos Uh, before we go too far. We talked about Musk's war with the short sellers and one of the reasons and maybe one of the principal reasons why he in his letter tonight lays out, uh, you know, what he's had to deal with with the short sellers. Chanos saying the short position is the best thing the stock has going for it. Musk versus the shorts is a far better narrative than Tesla versus Mercedes, Audi, that's and right. Porsche. That's very uh, good. That's, that's from Jim Chenos to us about how he's thinking about all of this. And I, I'd say with a, a healthy dose of skepticism, uh, at the very least, just given what kind of numbers are being thrown around right. for a, a, a company that's still losing money yeah. right. uh, and, and who's going to finance but it but along the way. The big
6: issue for Tesla to me is not even that they're losing money, it's to me that the Germans are, are competing massively in this space. And this is a data company, by the way. And so we're, we're in a world where people are looking at data differently. If you think these, that Tesla has no competition and is such a big head start, um, I think you're missing the point here. And this is why I, I just don't understand the, the cult status here. I think what they're doing is fantastic. By the way, these weren't Elon Musk's original ideas, but he's put a company together. He's a visionary XYZ. But the way this company's being run, and, and we know he doesn't like being a public company. He's told us that for years. It's like listening to a hedge fund manager say, I hate the monthly reporting cycle because I've got to, you know, invest differently. You signed on. You took the money. You, you went down this road. And the public markets have been very good to Tesla.
1: Right. Chanos' point is, is pretty clear, too, right? Uh, this cult status you speak to, Bluster can contend with a short seller. Uh, fundamentals have a much harder time doing that. And once you get into a, a head-to-head battle with some of the names of the automakers
4: that Chanos throws out, it perhaps becomes a much more difficult game. Yeah. and he actually played the shorts or actually went against the shorts probably a little bit too early, to Karen's point, given the fact that he's got this convert that comes due in March... He should have let it go for a little while, and, I mean, maybe come out in a different time frame and allow the stock to get to that level so that he had a little more security around it. In my opinion, I don't think it stays up here for too long. I think the real story comes out, and I think the stock sells.
1: Let me ask you one more question before we bring in our, our friend uh, G- Gene Munster. If we did not get the tweets about the go-private, the Saudi investment alone, what would your commentary be on that fact alone? That, that's pretty strong for the— the bullish narrative behind Tesla doesn't it remove some of the financing questions? What would you all be it saying tonight if news. that was it?
6: But to me that's like looking at a 13F Scott. That was yesterday's news. That's and not it maybe a explains a lot no. of the support for the stock. I, it's not I, Well, look, I get that they could be a strategic. It's Saudi Arabia. Right. Let's face it, the biggest energy producer in the world would want to be in this. That's investment. the substance, right, isn't, isn't it? The, no, the, 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 the
7: substance is
4: is getting to scale next quarter and getting gross me. margins at 25%. That's what it is and he's been telling telegraphing that to the street. So if he can get to production of which he claims he can get to and have a margin at 25%, people will be fine with it. But I don't think that's possible. All right. Our next
1: guest agrees with Elon Musk. He says Tesla's mission is more easily accomplished as a private company. Let's bring in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Gene, welcome. It's good to talk to you again. Hi, Scott. What do you make of this whole thing?
8: Two things. First is Tesla really should be a private company. As you mentioned, they have this broad, big vision of accelerating the globe's adoption of renewable energy. This is more than just making a, a great car and really accomplish that. It makes more sense to be a private company. That's on one side of it. On the other side of the equation is investors, public investors, who uh, believe in the story. This is uh, obviously just listening to the conversation, a very opinionated investor base. but. The, one, the believers believe that this could be a much bigger company. And how much bigger? Think of it this way, is that this takeout valuation, we're talking about $85 billion for enterprise value. Investors that I talk to think this company could be three, four, five times bigger. And so when you put it into that context, you have these two forces, this opportunity to run the company more efficiently as a private company, and separately, some of these public investors who believe, who may not be able to invest in whatever private vehicle that they create. That lays the groundwork for potentially a higher bid or some sort of higher valuation. I think the stock is going to move to that 420 and then probably uh, more will come out about this uh, potentially even a, a higher price than the 420
1: What do you do? with words like funding secured, investor support is, quote, confirmed. What are we
8: supposed to do with that? You have to run it through the Elon Musk decoder, which means (laughs) that he probably has some sort of Passive conversation with some of the larger shareholders that said they would be interested in moving their public investment into a private vehicle. He's probably had some passive uh, conversations with uh, uh, either a Saudi investor or some banks or some way to, to, to finance this. But funding but you secured, you can clearly not take it to the bank. Funding secured says you can take it to the bank, right? I mean, he he says yeah. he has the funding to do it. Has the f- no? He says uh, the funding secured. In the letter, there wasn't the the language wasn't as strong in the letter around that, and so I think that you need to to if if in fact it was that strong, I think the stock would be higher than three eighty. I okay. think it would have been closer to the four twenty. Do you think this is going to happen or not? I, I would put this a, th- a one in three chance that this happens. I think there is a higher probability that that four twenty number gets moved up. If that does get moved up, I think it's greater than fifty percent chance because it makes sense. This is the perfect company to be private given their. Uh, their mission statement. What would you have written about this story tonight if I just told you, okay, the
1: Saudi angle is the only angle tonight? How would that form your opinion on the stock from here?
8: I think some of the public investors would ask for more than 420 from these Saudi investors. I still think that this price, this 420, call it depending on what number you look at, 10, 15, 20 percent premium, depending on where you start it. I just don't think that that is enough for even to hold it in a private vehicle. I think that so I would write that this is a one in three chance and uh, stay tuned because this uh, this ride isn't over. Hey, Gene, it's Tim. Sounds like you think it could be worth five times EV. I mean, you know, the enterprise value. So
6: give me some justification for that, because bull bear is, you know, terminal value versus recovery value. And, and I think you can get on both sides.
8: The justification is there is some uh, logic around how Amazon was valued. Back in the day, it was hard to get any sort of valuation around profitability, but you had to look at what the long term. And I would put Tesla's roadmap, their product roadmap, better than any company. I think that there are great companies out there, big, still a huge believer in Apple. I think that Tesla's their roadmap around capturing energy and uh, storing it and using it through vehicles. So how does that, why does that come out to a five times bigger opportunity? I think that kind of a four or $500 billion market cap, given what Facebook is doing and their $560 billion market cap and the chance to really change how the world uses energy. It's a totally different business. They have no, Facebook's got no one close to them. The difference is this. On the competitive side, I appreciate some of the earlier thoughts about what's going on with some of the German manufacturers, some of the announcements from Porsche today. But still, to scale, that's a big deal. To announce and and produce, uh, Porsche made 200,000 vehicles a year. That's about what Tesla did. Tesla needs to ramp that to one, two, three million. That's where the the differentiation starts. So I'm in the camp that Tesla will actually be able to scale this at a cost that can uh, be available to a lot of people, and i don 't think some of the other car manufacturers can do that
1: the regulatory issues of the way that this was disseminated, do you have an issue with any of that?
8: Initially, I did, and then I, I looked into this Reed hastings' uh, uh, <laughs> kind of uh, opportunity or this uh, this cover, and so I think that he 's probably okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I wouldn't have recommended somebody doing it this way, but I think he's probably OK. Have you talked to any Tesla board members tonight? I can just say we're uh, not—no, I have not talked to any board members. I mean, I think we're relatively close to the company and uh, just expressing this view that, that, uh, that they feel that this is much better as a private company. I can just say that. Do you know and can you say at all if you think an
1: actual formal process— is underway, if, if, you, if you're that close to the company, to know? I don't know that. Okay. Gene, we appreciate it. And I don't mean to throw you those uh, got- on-the-spot uh, things, but I, I thought maybe you would know. And if you did, you'd tell us. We appreciate it, as always. Gene Munster, Loop Ventures. You
4: want to say something? No, I think it's interesting. If you took the short, the, the fact that there's such a massive short component in this, in this story, in the stock, if you took that off the table and looked at the news for what it was today, would the stock be trading at this level? There's no way, in heck it would be, the shareholders that own this story, for owning it for the long term, wouldn't be paying these prices. Nobody was buying it long, in my opinion. On these desks, we were seeing short covering across the board on our desks today.
3: LBO assumes if it happens that people would tend to their stock of 420. You hear Ron Barron; he doesn't want to sell his stock of 420 number one. And I think the Saudi investment Tim will get mad at me for saying this, but I think. <laughs> That is, to Tesla, what the Federal Reserve is to the S&P. So I think you now have an embedded put now in terms of Tesla. Well, so, that, that, that was my point in I, And you I think that's question. exactly the point. But forget the, all what, the go-private. I don't know what put? it is, is it but Ethernet? I will tell you that, you know, I again, I think the incremental seller in this stock is a short but, seller. I think the people that own it are not getting out.
6: All these people, private investor, private company means less liquidity, and less transparency from a guy that seems to be making up his own rules. Wouldn't we be
1: having an entirely different conversation if it was just the Saudi angle about the financing? Wouldn't we feel better?
5: What are you talking about the financing? That was the Saudi was just an equity bet. Yeah, I, I it was know, just but I, I,
1: I, yeah, if you I believe mean, it's I, just I mean, those equity. two came out within ten <laughs> minutes, so I think they're equity. related. But okay. All right, fair point. (laughs) All right, coming up, we'll have much more on Tesla throughout the hour. Karen Feinerman going to break down the public company's road to go in private. Plus, check out shares of Disney. The stock's volatile right now after reporting earnings. Conference call Bob Iger's underway as we speak. There it is right there. And the man, the myth, the media legend Tom Rogers will be here to give his instant analysis on the company. And later, the S&P 500 closing just points below its record high. So is there still time to buy? The traders give you their top picks coming up. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. There's much more Fast Money right after this.
0: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number
1: <laughs> why, why did you do that?
6: Why did you song. do that?
1: Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy.
6: I love Thin Lizzy. and When we hear it, it makes me giggle. It reminds me of good times in high school. All right. That's the right S&P 500 is
1: up for the fourth straight session, <laughs> closing at its highest level since late January. The index now within points of its all-time high. NASDAQ also on a tear, posting its longest winning streak since May. So the question is simple. With the markets back near record highs, what stocks can you still buy
6: Well, I'll tell you what, it's not a joke when you think about the commodity sector, which has been a really tough place to invest over the last couple of years. But I actually think a lot of these underlying commodity plays, especially in the ag space. First of all, if you see the breakout, look at Mosaic. This stock has now finally broken out through key resistance levels. But bottom line is there's inflation, there's pricing power, commodity prices are going higher. The global economy for all the, the, the negative headlines on trade is chugging along. And some of these companies have never been run better. Check this one out.
5: Karen? Well, I just think you go home, long your portfolio every night. You're buying it. You're buying every single name you own. So the biggest name I own is Google. I like it right here. Liked it for a while, which is not relevant. The question is, from right here, one percent away or so from its all-time high, yeah, I'd be are, long.
1: Are you are you hesitant to put new money to work in the market? We're considering we're almost back at new highs. There's still risks on the table with trade and interest rates, things true, like that. True, definitely
5: true. But to me, I'd rather buy S and P puts with the VIX here to hedge the portfolio. Then just keep cash.
4: Gotcha. Yeah. Look, I mean, I like Merck. I mean, I think Merck, Pfizer, any of these big pharma names. I think Merck, in particular, the street expectations for one of their key products, Trutruda, is, is incredibly low. So I think the earnings power behind that will keep the story intact. I think it's a name that's under owned, and, and I think people will continue to gravitate toward it. And again, uh, you know, Pfizer is another one within well, that sector that I love too. Talk about a space that has really come to life come in the to last, life. you know, 30, yeah.
1: 30, 40 days or so. It's healthcare.
4: Yeah. Healthcare, absolutely. I mean, these are, again, these, are, these were under-owned. These two names in particular were under-owned. In, in Pfizer, I'd say there's a bigger short component there. So there's been some covering there. That may settle a little uh, bit, mean, but ultimately, I, 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 just,
6: I just think, and this is, first of all, this is big cap pharma is what this is. Yeah. And, and ultimately, these companies have done nothing for a long time. And not that they're not great companies. They have pristine balance sheets. they pay great dividends. But frankly, they've been value traps. It doesn't mean that they're not great companies executing every single day. But some of the same issues including their pipeline, including the regulatory pressure, does
3: not change. And I don't right. think it's going to change tomorrow. It's interesting. So embedded is not coincidence, in my opinion. Pfizer took off basically to the day that the president went after them on Twitter, if you recall. You can put up a Twitter chart and put up a Pfizer chart. And the stock's going from basically 37 to where it is now, 41. Biggest move it's had in a couple weeks probably in the last six years, number one. Your question to Karen is spot on. I mean, we could come back and say the VIX is at levels we saw January 26th, which was the high, and maybe this whole uh, Tesla thing marks some sort of top. We could absolutely have that conversation. In the meantime, it keeps grinding higher. So to answer your original question, Federal Express, if you like UPS at almost 16 times forward earnings, you got to love FedEx. It's given to sell off that stock is seen and given its valuation and the environment that we find ourselves in. And by the way, If the post office raises prices, which the president talks about all the time, I happen to think that's a good thing for UPS and Federal Express as well. So for all those reasons, I think FedEx goes higher from here. Well,
6: I mean, first of all, speaking of top, nice haircut. Uh, I took it
3: down in a major way. I mean, mean, this is like 1981 circa. It's It's good. It's aggressive. Yeah, baby, (laughs) it's right. (laughs) It's aggressive.
6: Um, Bottom line, transports have had a very good run. Uh, They have, I would argue, made the leadership or have been the leadership for the market over the last couple months. I stay in FedEx. I think the rails are even a better place to be investing.
1: All right, still ahead. Check out shares of Disney in the after hours. Stock a little volatile. There you go. Down then up. Stock's up about 50 cents. CEO Bob Iger wrapping up the conference call. We're going to bring you his latest comments. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
2: The new crypto on the block? Ethereum Classic has the right stuff and it's going parabolic the crypto baller will be here to explain what all the hype is about plus i just love television so much well don't we all kenneth but there's one stock taking on the tv giants and traders are betting it's about to break out the name the trade and much more coming up on fast money Imagine a beautiful afternoon.
3: The sun is shining and you get to enjoy it all because you just sat down on your John Deere mower. The smooth ride lets you escape into your yard. Intuitive controls make you feel like you're one with the machine. And with attachments for every season, you can enjoy it all year long. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand what it's like to drive a John Deere mower, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Disney are moving after hours. CEO Bob Iger speaking on the earnings call just moments ago. Julia Borston will tell us what Iger had to say about the quarter. Julia.
10: Well, CEO Bob Iger opened the call with a look at the 21st Century Fox acquisition and how it will bolster Disney with both Fox's international reach and the right assets to help build the new direct-to-consumer businesses that Disney is focused on. Now, Disney shares first dipped after the numbers were released, but then they turned positive during the earnings call. It seemed like it was around the time when Bob Iger reassured that cord cutting is slowing thanks to the growth of digital bundles. Take a listen.
11: Although the erosion of the expanded basic bundle continues, the impressive growth of these DMVPDs has steadily slowed overall sub losses. To that end, we've seen noticeable improvement in the rate of sub loss in each of the last four quarters.
10: Iger also said that the Fox acquisition will help them in their various direct-to-consumer efforts, including Hulu and the Disney-branded app that's in the works set to launch next year.
11: In this era of unprecedented consumer choice, brands matter more than ever, and our incredible portfolio of high-quality, in-demand branded content uniquely positions us to strategically and successfully navigate this increasingly dynamic marketplace. We have always believed we have the brands and content to be extremely competitive and to thrive alongside Netflix, Amazon, and anyone else in the market.
10: As for the ESPN Plus service, which launched in April, Iger didn't reveal any numbers but did say the initial performance is encouraging and that conversion rates from free trials to paid subscriptions are strong, with subscription growth exceeding expectations. Scott, back over to you.
1: Uh, Julia, thank you so much for more. Let's bring in longtime media executive, uh, the longtime media executive who served as CEO of TiVo for 11 years. Prior to that, Tom Rogers was NBC's former chief strategist who became the first president of NBC Cable, during which he founded CNBC. Today, Tom is a CNBC contributor, executive chairman of sports gaming and gambling company Winview. He joins us now. Welcome. It's good to see you. Great to
7: be here. So
1: that's a, that's, a g- that's a long and great resume. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great uh, is Ocker going to get the last laugh? Well, and you know what I mean by that, because there have been so many naysayers. And here the stock is back at 117,
7: a little north of that. Sub losses are slowing. I think he's got a great opportunity to take a victory lap here if he backs off the sky. The challenges that this company has with declines in their core business, look, they're still losing subs, advertising revenue on the cable side is down, the whole sports bidding area is going to get really tough with the FANG companies coming in. Now he's taking on trying to catch Netflix to try to learn the satellite distribution business, satellite dishes, set-top boxes, the whole deal which, if you look at DirecTV and is numbers here, even though Sky's in somewhat better shape, not the same story, but a difficult story, I don't get them needing to to play that card. Any, any plus in not spending
1: billions of dollars on rights fees for sports, <laughs> number one. Um, number two, legalized gambling has to be a boon
7: for ESPN, no? Well, now you're talking my game. I mean, that's... Uh, that's my current company, and I don't know if they mentioned it. CBS mentioned it on their call. If you're in the sports business and you're seeing sub fees and advertising revenues decline and you want to stay in the business of bidding on sports, there's one major new source of revenue that you got to get into, and that's sports gaming and gambling. And you've got to figure out how to grab it before the other players do. I'm surprised that did not come up as a major issue for them. Um, but the issue of whether he gets the last laugh, we're not going to know. This, you know, chasing Netflix isn't just about buying Fox. Markets have to like the Fox asset. Well, you know, let's it, the that. Fox asset. Unless is, you think they pay too much. You know. Well, it's, it's a great asset. And if they don't pursue Sky, you got a chance here of getting the Fox assets without by next year having any greater leverage on the company. That's a big win. Last laugh, good victory. But you got to understand that getting the Fox assets is the first chapter in a multi-chapter story about whether or not you can catch Netflix. First of all, Fox has a lot of its content or tied up in HBO. Much of the Disney product is tied up elsewhere, not the least of which is if they don't get Sky, Comcast has a lot of Disney product caught up there. they got to figure out how to get through Hulu. they got to spend billions of dollars on more original content. What they're getting from Fox won't begin to really make a dent in a global Netflix franchise. Then you've got the issues of the earnings dilution that all that spending is. For an EPS-measured company, this is something they're going to have to explain. Do you ignore those losses because you're building a new asset versus it being an ongoing drag? And then you've you got the issue of you've got to manage, continue to manage the decline in your core business. Okay,
1: so you've set it up. Absolutely perfectly for, for everyone here, right? Yeah. The business may be stabilizing, whatever word you want to use. Stock is up. Technically, it seems to be in a good place. But as Tom says, the risks, the risks are still out there for this name. Well, it's, it's interesting to hear Tom talk about the amount of money that they're going to have to spend on
6: content right. to keep up with Netflix's global franchise. Because that, to me, is an extraordinary statement in that um, I always thought it was Netflix chasing Disney. I always thought it was Disney with the best content. Bottom line, I think Bob Iger has a more diversified company here. Disney is not just – it's a consumer products company. It's a studio. It's it's obviously the cable, which is in a difficult place. But I think Disney is doing interesting things in terms of getting to that broader demographic. They they were broadcasting this Overwatch over the weekend. In other words, they're getting into gaming and younger sports and how people are consuming
4: that. That's interesting. Chasing scale is a loser's game. I mean, I look at it and say the investor base in Disney right now is – I'm not saying it's a different investor base than Netflix. I think it's probably some of the, some of the similar investors. But ultimately, you've got a company right now that, that is going to have to spend so much to chase Netflix. So much. It's going to cost them a fortune. going to impact margins. They're coming off a massive, a really successful film slate. I, I get they have great content. It's all about the scale, spend isn't it? You to mean, get chasing to chasing
1: scale is a loser's game? No, no, no. no. Chasing not chasing it, it in the no, no, media no, no. business I'm not saying right that now way. is a loser's game. I'm saying
4: game. you chase it, but it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you a tremendous a lot. That's going to impact margins.
7: There's a victory lap here that they should take on the studio yeah. side though.
5: Isn't it early studio though side. to take a victory lap? I mean, you could anybody could pay for anything.
7: Well, you, uh, before they get to pay. Oh, you mean, before the Fox the, Fox the Fox. studio. Okay. 11 days, the Avenger film taking in a billion dollars, the kind of market share they have, getting through the justice department with the yes. Fox studio getting over 50% right. share in theatrical production without anybody raising a, 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 an eye at all on that. They, 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 you, you got to give them a big so
4: victory that, is, on that that's one. the question. Is that sustainable? I mean, you look at their pipeline and say, is that going to be a sustainable sort of, like, aspect for them? Or, or, or you know, are they able to, to sustain those sort it, of numbers? It,
9: yeah,
7: it, it may be. They've shown unbelievable uh, acquisition capability with Pixar and Lucas and uh, Marvel. They've really done tremendously well. Can't take a thing away from them on acquisition of studios. And Fox will only continue to drive that, I think. The problem is, to your point... It's not enough to play the Netflix game. The amount of incremental dollars you have to put in programming is so far beyond this investment, which is why I think, geez, do you really want to tie up a bunch of cash in Sky and have to measure, manage the decline of that business when you could go home and save your resources for the game you're really going to need it for? Tom, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for having so good me
1: to hear from you. Tom Rogers still ahead. Snap seeing a huge reversal after hours. Stock was up as much as 11% earlier in the session. Now it's sinking. We'll tell you what's behind the move and get instant analysis from Wall Street Plus. It's the new crypto on the block. Ethereum Classic soaring more than 30% over the past week as investors await its Coinbase debut. What's so special about it anyway? Who else but Brian Kelly, the moneymaker, will be here to explain more fast right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. There's a new kid, I mean crypto on the block, and its name is Ethereum Classic. The cryptocurrency has been on a tear, jumping nearly 30% over the past week while Bitcoin struggles. It, it it is nearly $2 billion in market cap. It's the 13th largest cryptocurrency out there right now. In fact, the hype has gotten so big that we are going to change our Bitcoin bug to a fancy Ethereum Classic bug for the oh, rest of tonight's how nice. show. You see how interactive nice we are and you know, what we try and do? I tell you,
6: we are hanging tough, right? like oh, the new kids.
5: you're proud of yourself right?
1: that. <laughs> Another joke that I mean, fell flat. I,
5: no, but I then people, again,
1: people at home are laughing right now, right? Scott. Right? I mean, that's good know. stuff. I, listen, I had no
6: idea what was talking about. I Joe, mean, they may be laughing, either they either they anyone else. At him Wasn't that Donnie Wahlberg's breakout? I mean, a hey, lot of stuff happened so with So what guys. is
1: behind Ethereum Classic and its rise? Let's bring in our very own crypto baller, Brian Kelly, who's in Boston at the Accord Genuity Growth Conference. Uh, BK, I'm sorry that you're not here for Tim's jokes firsthand. Because <laughs> um, no, they really, really are spectacular really, tonight. I mean,
2: I can barely hold it together over uh, here. I, as you can I, tell. Believe me,
1: I, I, we're having our own trouble <laughs> here, as you saw at the very top of the yeah. program. Uh, what's up with, with Ethereum Classic right now?
2: So it's, it's been up, as you said, about 30% over the last month. The, really, the driver are two things Coinbase and Robinhood uh, are adding it to their platform. So, this is the first time that the retail investor will kind of get a real easy way to get into Ethereum Classic. Um, so, Coinbase added it to their institutional side, I believe, over the next week or so, uh, they're going to be adding it to their retail side of their platform, and that's what's driving it. What
1: do you make of, of what's going on lately with Bitcoin?
2: Uh, I, well, listen, it's had a tremendous run off of 5800 And that was all really because people thought there was going to be this ETF, which just before we got on air, the SEC came out and postponed that decision until September, uh, September 30th. And just, you know, little spoiler alert, September 30th, they will likely postpone it again because the market's not ready for it. And the SEC uh, hasn't had all the answers to their questions yet. So we've had this big run-up. We've had a little bit of a sell-off here today. Uh, If you're selling today after this decision – it's the wrong way to do crypto investing. Uh, There is more to this story than just an ETF.
6: BK, Ethereum Classic, though, what is the adaptability here? In other words, what sets this apart in terms of the platform and and what is going to get the kind of follow-through that I think people don't see so far?
2: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So uh, just for the folks at home, Ethereum versus Ethereum Classic, they split back in two, 2016 over a different way to handle whether or not you change transactions. Uh, and so that's the difference between the two. Same functionality, different paths, though. Ethereum has a lot of developers on it. Ethereum's Classic is develop, is getting more developers on it. So for it to really take off, that ecosystem has to expand. And that's what they're working on right now.
4: BK, good stuff. Seabrook has the last word. What, yeah, what BK, I love you, buddy. But nice tan, by the way. You look <laughs> great, BK.
2: Yeah, wow. uh, Ethereum Classic. I'm room. on the
4: Ethereum Classic. I'm buying some more tomorrow. Thanks for that pitch. Well,
2: there people. you go. I, I like that. I gave thanks you... for the hint on, well, thanks for the hint on where to go for a spray tan. It was great. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, I <laughs> gave you to a new guess.
1: nickname, too, BK. <laughs> I, I called you the moneymaker.
2: Oh, I'm okay with that.
1: You like that? I'm <laughs> fine with that. You're yeah, the crypto guy. I mean, you know, I know, but I know, I know. All right, good stuff, my man. We'll see you back here. All right, say you, Judge. All right, Brian Kelly, still ahead. Snap, seeing a huge reversal after hours. The stock is now negative after being up more than 10%. We'll tell you what was said on the call that has investors hitting the sell button. Plus, Tesla soaring today after CEO Elon Musk said he was considering taking the company private. So what happens next? Karen Feinerman will break it all down when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Snap reversing and now falling after hours. Let's head back to Julia in Los Angeles. So tell us what's got the stock moving all around. Julia, what's going on here?
10: Well, Snap reported earnings and revenue that beat expectations, and Prince al walid announced on Twitter that he invested $250 million to acquire 2.3% stake in Snapchat. He tweeted this video of himself and CEO Evan Spiegel. But Snap's, while Snap's top and bottom line beat first set the stock soaring, That was despite the fact that the company reported daily active users that fell from the prior quarter and disappointed expectations. And the stock moved into negative, the negative and gave up its gains during the earnings call. Now, in addition to reporting those daily user numbers that declined from the prior quarter, the company also gave revenue guidance that was lower than analyst expectations. And on the call, the company warned that it won't give daily user guidance for the third quarter and warned that third quarter growth rates generally trend down for users. Now, Evan Spiegel saying that monthly users are at their highest level ever, with 100 million in the U.S. and Canada alone, while daily users, he says, suffered
8: From the company's redesign. We saw a two percent decline in our daily active users. This was primarily driven by a slightly lower frequency of use among our user base due to the disruption caused by our redesign. It has been approximately six months since we broadly rolled out the redesign of our application and we have been working hard to iterate and improve Snapchat based on the feedback from our community.
10: Wedbush analyst Michael Pachter telling us that Spiegel's comments imply that daily active users could be down again in the third quarter, saying that the company was consistently evasive when asked questions on the reasons why. The user numbers could continue to decline. Pactor also noted that stock grants were disclosed today that represent 200 million additional shares so that Wedbush will have to adjust their valuation to account for them. The expanded share count now $1.48 billion instead of $1.27 billion, saying that might be spooking some. Scott, back over to you. All
1: right, Julia, thank you so much.
4: Julia Borson, Los Angeles. How, how do you want to, guys want to trade this? Long Facebook. Instagram. Yeah, exactly. The disruption came from Instagram stories. I mean, that's what happened with them. Look, this company was going around and they were prepping the street for this. They were getting numbers lower the past month, month and a half. So I think they prepped for this to try to get it down and beat on the rev side. And they just pre-announced, again, numbers are going to be worse next quarter. Stay away from this. See,
3: guy. I look at it and say the stock's on a percent whatever stock's on a percent and a half. Last four quarters, stocks moved 22% to the downside and moved 50% to the upside. It's had ridiculous moves. It's really not moving right now. So what does that mean? If this stock goes green tomorrow, I don't think you get in the way of it. I mean, I think the quarter was decent. Guidance was not great. But if this can somehow go from negative to positive during the day tomorrow on big volume, I think this sets up for what you saw with Twitter, from that move from 15 and a half to the levels that we saw over the last few weeks,
6: be a nice time to drop like some ears and a big tongue on you. And <laughs> no, why, why? Well, well I'm, I'm not a Snap, user right? of the product.
3: I mean, well, it's not my but genre. Isn't it, isn't
5: it unchanged on the on the Saudi stock? Not that's the-
3: seen. That's a, so I should be consistent. I mean, if he's making an investment there, I mean, it, I said they. I said the Tesla investment, the Saudi investment for Tesla was the same thing as the Fed in the S&P. I'll say the same thing here for Snap. Maybe they have an embedded put now as well. Okay. From one new media company to another, Roku also set to report after the bell tomorrow. And
1: the options market is implying some big moves on those results. Let's go to our very own Dan Nathan, who's out in San Francisco with more on that. Hey, Dan.
9: Hey, Scotty, how are you? Yeah, the options market is implying about a 15% move in either direction for Roku. The company has reported three quarters since going public last year, and on average, it's moved about 25%. Um, But call volume was running pretty hot today. And I don't imply that 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 means there was a lot of call buying in front of it. Um, The most active line was the August 55 calls. It looks like a bunch of those are sold. And what's really interesting, when you think about that implied move at about $7, that's up at about the implied move. I have a one-year chart here since that IPO. You can see, obviously, the stock is down about 9% of the year. It's trading within this fairly wide range between 60 and 40, where it's got some pretty decent um, support. Um, but, you know, this one is going to be on the guidance. It's going to be about competition. So um, the implied movement is coming down quarter after quarter. The first quarter out of the gate, this, the stock moved 55%. The second quarter, it moved about 18%. Last quarter, it only moved about 2%. You doing options action on Friday? Yeah, me and you, baby. 530s. That's right.
6: going to be some great TV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
9: 530 p.m. Friday. Dan, thank you very
1: much. Still ahead, Musk shocking Wall Street today, saying he may take Tesla off the market. So what does the road to private actually look like? Karen Feinerman will explain when we come back. Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla soaring today after CEO Elon Musk said he was considering taking the company off the public market. But what does the road to private actually look like? Karen Feinerman is at the plasma with The More You Know.
5: Karen. All right. It's a lot more difficult than a tweet. Let's just see what you need to do to actually get to the finish line take a company private. Here's the first step. Musk needs to make a formal offer to the board. So that hasn't happened yet. We've just seen a tweet. That would be the first step. Then the independent members of the board, and one can debate how many of them there are, but they would hire a banker to give them some advice on what a fair offer would be. Then the next step, they would negotiate with Elon. They would set a price. 420 seems to be the the first bid. Could be higher, could even be lower. We don't know how that process will work out. But let's say they get to an agreement on that. What has to happen next? Securing financing, this is really important. And it's gonna be especially difficult because we don't know how much of that stock will roll over and become equity and how much additional equity or how much debt they will need. So maybe they need standby debt. That's hard to arrange for a deal this size, but let's say they can get it. The next step would then be a shareholder, a regulatory approval rather. Now, depending on who the buyers are, if it's all US companies that are just taking it private, that shouldn't be a problem for regulatory approvals. However, if there's foreigners in this current environment, you never know. That could become a potential stumbling block. Last, the shareholders vote. Since so it's a dollar company, we've got to have that. That's a lot to happen from where we are right now. Not impossible at all, but that's just the roadmap to how to get there. And we're just one tweet into it so far.
3: Yeah, guy. My quick question to Karen: B, you've done this a long time. What do you think the odds are? One in ten this gets done. Five uh, percent chance. I
5: think higher. I actually think higher. It, you know, he's there's. A, this is clearly a cold stock. There's. He's got his own twenty percent stake. That's twelve billion dollars. He's willing to willing to roll in. You got Ron Baron. Maybe those Saudis. It's oddly curious how they came out with that. Today Mm -hmm. And then this issue wouldn't surprise me if they also would be prepared to do some sort of financing. I think it's significantly higher than that. You you agree
1: agree more with the Munster, right? I do.
5: I do agree with the Munster. It's a possibility I'm even higher than the Munster.
1: Wow. Karen, thanks. Thanks. Good stuff. We'll do Final Trades next. Welcome back. Time for Final Trades. Tim, you are up first. Yeah, guess what was the real-time news medium that Elon Musk
6: reported this news in? Twitter. I'll tell you what. More important every day, Twitter, the stock. All right, Karen.
5: Yep. I'll tell you. I'm long it. I'm going. They're going into earnings tomorrow. Michael Kors. I hope they come up with something. Or good. drink
6: a Molson Kors. The
5: Molson Kors. Nice. Didn't he I didn't that? Even see that. I mean, Wrong I love Kors, Kors, Kors guys. guys.
4: All right. I, I'm, look, I'm back in the BK. I mean, you came on the show with a great ten. I mean, Ethereum Classic, BTC,
3: fire. You back tomorrow, Judge? Because it's great uh, having you on board is today. here? I don't know. AMD That's on that America upgrade. That's not my fault. Go to Kramer AMD. quick. All right, that does it for us.
1: Yeah. Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Kramer starts right now.
5: And drink a beer before the race.
2: <laughs> this podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses.